Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 46. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome back to the MCAT Podcast. If this is not your first time here, if it is your first time, welcome. Where have you been? You have lots of episodes to catch up on to help you on your journey to crushing the MCAT. Today, we are going to do a grab bag of discrete questions. We're going to do that for the next three weeks as well. So let's go ahead and dive right in. All right, Brian. So we're going to answer some discrete questions, not specific from any one section on the MCAT, but kind of a uh, kind of a grab bag, so to speak. So if you want to follow along with these questions, go to the MCATpodcast.com slash four six, and you can download this specific handout that we're looking at as we work through it. So question 32, let's go ahead and start with that one, Brian. Sure thing. Yeah. And and Ryan, just a note to everybody, the real MCAT really requires you to be flexible, you know, for your brain to change gears quickly on the fly under timed conditions. And I thought maybe, you know, for, for this week and the next couple of weeks, we could really press our readers to do that, you know, jump from topic to topic and and flex that that mental uh, uh, agility. And, and we'll start with number 32. Yeah, no, I want I want to interrupt you with a real life example of of how that works sure yeah golf right we go golf (laughs) when we go to the driving range we usually use one club over and over and over again and then switch to another club and go over and over and over again but that's not how you play golf it's one club one time another club another time so i think that's a perfect perfect uh way to to um kind of get in shape for the mcat yeah practice how you're gonna perform practice how you're gonna perform yep so number 32 a researcher carries out a column chromatography at physiological pH using a stationary medium with a net positive charge. Stationary medium has a positive charge. If a solution containing the following oligopeptides is poured into the column, which oligopeptide will most likely be found in the first fraction collected? Okay, again, medium with a positive charge, stationary medium positive charge, and we want the oligopeptide that will come out first, the first fraction collected. So here are oligopeptides. Choice A is DDGE. Answer choice B is EILD. Answer choice C is KRVV. And finally, D is V E G P. Okay, Ryan, what do you think? You lost me at oligopeptide. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. 
It is, Jerry Maguire isn't up on his uh, biochemistry <laughs> skills. So the, the trick here is recognizing the charges that amino acids have at physiological pH. This is something the MCAT's definitely going to expect us to know off the top of our head. And to recognize that the medium has a positive charge. So anything that's negative is going to stick to the stationary medium and just stay there. And the question wanted, well, who's going to come out? Who's going to be the first fraction that falls through this column? So our, our listeners should absolutely remember that um, the amino acids D and E, aspartate and glutamate, are the two that have a negative charge at physiological pH. So D and E alphabetically right next to each other in order, aspartate and glutamate go in the same order alphabetically. They have a negative charge. So when we look to the answer choices, we had DDGE, that's a whole bunch of negative. Then we had EILD, the E's got a negative. And then answer choice D, the final answer choice had VEGP, that E is also a negative. So three of the four answer choices had a negative amino acid, and that negative amino acid would stick to the positive charge and stay in the column. So the right answer to this one was answer choice C. K-R-V-V, because K and R are positive and V is neutral, so it would just fall right along. The positives would repel each other. Makes sense. Absolutely. I wouldn't have got it, but it makes sense. <laughs> so Fair enough, yeah. So let's, let's kind of rewind a little bit. Amino acids, what are, and, and I don't think we can ever talk too much about amino acids, because I think it, it's one of those m more important things, it seems like, to, to have memorized specifically for the MCAT. What are the specific things that you need to understand for each amino acid? Obviously, name and the individual letter, like we saw here, you talked mm -hmm. about positive, negative charge. What else do we need to know for each uh, amino acid? Sure, the three-letter abbreviation, as well as the one-letter abbreviation, um, whether it's charged, uh, and then broadly what its chemical behavior is like. So is it polar versus nonpolar? Um, and then finally, you should be able to draw all 20 of the kind of standard canonical amino acids from memory. Um, if you really want to be completely 100% prepared for the MCAT, I should be able to give, hand you a blank sheet of paper and say, draw me all 20 amino acids, and, and you should be able to do that. Okay. So pretty demanding. Um, you don't have to remember the kind of weird ones, you know, the, the selenocysteines and, and whatever are much less likely to come up. Okay. Good to know. Yep. All right, so question 48. Which of the following solvents would lead to the fastest SN1 reaction? A, N-hexane, B, benzene, C, tetrachloromethane, or D, pro propanol? I want to say propranolol. <laughs> Not a, that's a medication. <laughs> yeah. Propanol. Yeah, that's a, right. The statin would slow down the SN1, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, again... I have no idea. Mm -hmm. So you can always play the game of which one of these is not like the other, which one of these doesn't belong when mm -hmm. you get one of these orgo questions with, with four different molecules for choices. So, for example, hexane and benzene, um, those are just fairly generic nonpolar solvents. Um, they're just hydrocarbons. You know, benzene's a ring and hexane is would be – this is N-hexane, so it would just be a chain. Um, and there's no reason to pick one over the other, so you can cross them both out. 
um, tetrachloromethane and then propanol. Well, normally you'd see chloro and methane and think, well, chlorine, that's really electronegative. So that would make maybe a polar bond. Uh, except when you have tetrachloromethane, all four chlorines pulling on the same carbon. Um, yeah, technically the bond is polar, but the molecule isn't because it's kind of a four-way tug of war where they all cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. So hexane, benzene, and tetrachloromethane are all nonpolar solvents, and you can cross them all off together. Uh, and propanol, alcohol, uh, is going to be um, not just polar but protic. It's got that OH group in the alcohol that makes it, you know, very water-like in its chemical behavior. So, if nothing else, that's how you would get to the right answer there. Okay, I like it. Uh, yeah. Now, having said that, of course, you should walk into the test being very comfortable with SN1 and SN2 reactions, and knowing that SN2 prefers an aprotic, uh, so you know, no water, no alcohol, whereas SN1 prefers a protic solvent. Okay. So we got to know our amino acids and we got to know SN1, SN2 reactions. Absolutely. Yeah. When it comes to named organic chemistry reactions, when they switched over to this new current format of the MCAT in 2015, they ditched almost all of them. Uh, but SN1 and SN2, those are the old diehards. They're going to be, you know, when, when humanity has gone the way of the dinosaurs, there's still going to be a standardized test asking about SN1 and SN2 <laughs> somewhere. After the asteroid hits. Right, was that yeah. an SN1 or SN2 reaction? Yeah, that asteroid was a backside attack on the <laughs> Yucatan. Yeah. Man. Oh, all right. 46. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll go ahead and read this one. Okay. Uh, a single sports fan is capable of yelling at an intensity level of 80 decibels from a given distance. If 10,000 similar fans were all yelling from the same distance, which of the following would be the closest to the observed intensity level? 84 decibels, 120 decibels, 160 decibels, 320 decibels. Interesting question. Yep. Single source of noise making 80 decibels. Now 10,000 sources of noise. How many decibels do we get up to? Um, I have no clue. I Logically, it tells me more at the same level should just all be the same, but... I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so we want to remember decibels is a measure of intensity, which is a measure of loudness. Mm -hmm. So a, a crowd of 10,000 people screaming at you is going to be louder than one person screaming at you. Okay. Right? They're, they're just putting out more wattage. It's a lot, a lot of voice boxes vibrating. So it's got to be a number bigger than 80, and, and all the answer choices are bigger than 80. Um, and it one of the things in in the this current version of the MCAT is that even on something like this, a physics question – you can um, you can reason from biology, right? So, for example, you want to walk into the test knowing that you know eighty decibels is yeah. I mean, that could be a screaming human screaming very very loudly, you know, yelling. Okay, um, and and the threshold for uh, pain to the point where the the noise itself starts to actually cause pain in your ear is you know something like in the one thirty to one forty decibel range. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you imagine a, a, a stadium full of people all shouting, um, that's going to be pretty loud, right? So answer choice A, 84, is only a tiny smidge more than 80, and that, that doesn't sound right for an entire stadium full of people shouting at you. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to decide, well, is it loud enough that it's like, you know, going to start physically hurting just hearing a stadium full of people cheer? Uh, maybe, maybe not. 
One of the answer choices is 120 decibels. That'd be just below the threshold of pain. Another answer choice is 160 decibels. That's just above the threshold of pain. So if you were just kind of saying, well, I don't know the math here. I don't remember the equation, but you know, uh, standing on the 50 yard line, having a whole stadium full of people cheer at me at once, that's going to be pretty darn loud. You know, mm-hmm. 120 or 160 both make sense. 320 decibels would be like shoving your head in a jet. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that would be massive, right? That would start causing earthquakes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I had a friend who played collegiate football and he said being on the field when the fans were going crazy was like standing next to a jet engine. Oh, uh, Okay. Well, I think your friend might have been, uh, I think, a little <laughs> metaphorical, right? Maybe the rush of being next to a jet engine, because literally, be, I mean, it would deafen you instantly. It would probably kill you uh, <laughs> if if you had that much force coming at your brain, <laughs> knocking your brain around your skull. Yeah. So you, you could you could kind of you know edge your way close to the right answer here, even if you couldn't remember your physics at all. Um, I mean, if you couldn't remember the equation, you should, however, know, though, the decibel equation, which is a logarithmic scale. So when it it said going from one uh, person up to 10,000 people, you recognize 10,000 is well, that's 10 to the four times bigger than the original intensity level. But the thing about the decibel scale that makes it kind of a pain in the butt to remember, uh, unlike other logarithmic scales like pH or pKa or whatever, the decibel scale is 10 times the log of the intensity or the intensity difference. So it's not just that, okay, so we have 10 to the fourth. So there's the four, right? You take the log of 10 to the fourth and you get a four. But then for some reason, the decibel equation goes, oh yeah, and multiply that number by 10. (laughs) <laughs> so the four becomes a 40 and our 80 decibels goes up to 120 decibels. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of tricky and a pain in the butt, but got to remember that decibel equation 10 times the log of the intensity. Okay. So decibels. So, so basically our episode today is all about things you need to memorize for the MCAT. Know your amino acids, know the SN1, SN2 stuff, and know your decibel equation. Yeah, absolutely. Although, uh, of course, Ryan, the, the reader shouldn't forget that, you know, even if you can't remember the exact content, you can kind of edge your way closer to the right answer by thinking in terms of the biology, by playing which one of these is not like the other, which one doesn't belong, like we did with the SN1 question and so on. All right, so there you have it, a grab bag of discrete questions. Again, you can go download the handouts for this episode as well as all episodes at the show notes page. Specifically for this episode, you can find it at themcappodcast.com slash 46. You should go check out not only the show notes, but also everything that Next Step Test Prep has to offer. They are the leader in one-on-one tutoring for the MCAT. If you are struggling right now, as we release this, it's the middle of June. A lot of students just got their score back and they're freaking out. What do I do? I didn't get the score that I need. And they email me and I email back, say, go contact Next Step, go talk to a tutor, set up a plan for the next month or so, a, a specific individualized plan for you to figure out where your weaknesses are to be able to improve on your score. That's what you'll need. Maybe. Maybe you just had a bad day. But if you're score came back within a, 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 a normal range from where you were testing with your practice test, 
then don't be surprised with your score. Don't, you shouldn't have gone into the MCATs expecting a miracle 10-point increase in your score based on what you were scoring with your practice test. So if you are scoring about the same, then there's something wrong with your practice. Go talk to Next Step and figure out what that is. Go to nextstepmcat.com, learn all about their tutoring, their new class, their full-length exams, everything. Use the promo code MCATPOD, that's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D, to save some money. Hope you have a great week. Again, catch us next time for some more grab bag discreet questions.